It's 3 a.m. I must be lonely. Oh my god. That you know what? That was the exact voice though. So let me ask you, because that that like I wanna push you yeah. around. That was in that's in the Barbie movie, right? Yes, that's that the is one. that is in Barbie. Do y'all think that that has helped? What is it? Matchbook. Matchbox twenty. Matchbox. Yep. Do you think it's helped them? Well, the, it's the sh- Matchbook boys. I mean, sure, yeah. shit didn't hurt them. They were already pretty low on pecking order, right? Like <laughs> their heyday was safely. Yeah, but they're still making so much money from you that think? song. Oh, oh from God. that one song. But that's well, what I'm saying. Don't you think that increased their sales? Absolutely. Hmm. People were probably were like, "I remember that. I love that." No, that 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 has definitely happened. Yes, yeah. I do think that has happened. Thanks, Barbie movie um, for increasing. Matchbook Boys. Yes, the Matchbook Boys. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's a better name. The Matchbook Boys is a better name than Matchbox Twenty. I don't think I don't think Rob Thomas would have been able to stand in front of a you know a hip Gen X crowd in the nineties and be like, We're the Matchbook Boys. Yeah, like, probably not. I think that's um that probably wouldn't have been seen as a trendy name for a band probably not it, plus it's got the number in there and in the 90s you got to get that number in there yeah what does the you number know? signify mysterious we things know. we don't nobody know. knows we don't know. it's but it's provocative so this is the the rob thomas um fan cast oh lord um i one time drove to philadelphia mississippi uh-huh to see a bruce springsteen cover band which was totally worth the trip. We we were running late though, and only caught the caught the last three songs. I phone a friend, Lisa Easterling, was with me, but we got a little bonus action, and we what? have a photo of it. Which Lisa is really she's like kind of this weird wizard about pulling up old photos. So yeah. when she's listening to this, Lisa, I need you to prepare for when you get here for sidewalk to show us the evidence of this. In the audience for the Bruce Springsteen cover band was a Rob Thomas lookalike, earring uh-huh. and all. And we were like, damn, we got, we really got, it was a free show, but we got our money's worth. It was worth the drive because not only do we have a Bruce Springsteen cover band, but we also have a Rob Thomas lookalike in the audience watching a Bruce Springsteen cover band. Somewhere Rob Thomas is like, yeah, lookalike. That's <laughs> that right. That was me. <laughs> Little Matchbox 20 trivia. Do you know what their original name was? No. I have no idea. And is it worse or better than Matchbox 20? The original band name was Tabitha's Secret. That's terrible. That's, That's worse. worse. That's S- worse. Substantially worse. worse. That's terrible. You know what that sounds like in seventh grade when you are when you are assigned to write a short story? That's the name. you. That's what you name it. I was thinking it sounds like a brand of uh, like organic cotton uh, feminine hygiene products. That too. That sounds right. Uh, here's another little bit of trivia, though. Actually, we can go back and forth on the, what do we know about Matchbook Boys. Um, I remember that it was on like MTV News that Rob Thomas's ex girlfriend was suing him for the for some money for some rights to the song for the Push song because it was about her. What you don't get to do that? <laughs> wow, I, which I love. I'm like, man. Sorry, ex-girlfriend. I can't imagine that your time with Rob Thomas was entirely pleasant, but I don't think that you deserve any royalties from that. She continued to try to push him around. Oh, my God. Love it. Oh, Um, anyway, let's get on talking more in detail about Rob Thomas and the Rob Thomas podcast. What's up, Ding Dongs? (laughs) The Rob Thomas podcast. We don't really do that, even though that would be a great intro for that. We talk about movies on the Side Talks podcast. Including Barbie and how great of a movie Barbie is. (sighs) Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute round one fight. fight. Okay, five-minute fight. Roll up your sleeves, little bitch. I have short sleeves right now. Roll those up. Roll those up. All right, I will. Okay, 
So we are finding Asteroid City today, a film uh, that we screened at the Sidewalk Cinema. Go ahead and start the timer, Brad, because I almost, I've come close to making this a three-minute fight, but we're going to go ahead and do it a five-minute, because here's the thing, but the timer has started. Um, I don't feel terribly passionately negative about this film, but yeah, I also don't feel like you do, that it's great. I don't. I, I'm fine with this film. I can move through my life now, not ever thinking about it again. Wow. It really, it, it just has done absolutely nothing for me. Now, I, there are some things I like about it, including that adorable little alien that comes down. Yeah, he's great. I do love that. It's a weird little um, guy. Weird little guy. I do like some things about it, and I do like the production design. Yeah. I'm going to throw my, and as a strategy, I'm going to throw my biggest complaint about this film to you, and then, and then I'll let you I'll let you take it sure. a little bit. And that is that if we were just in the world of Asteroid City, you, you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. If we were just in that world, I think I would like this film so much more and I probably would revisit it. But the looping in of the play bullshit, right? Uh-huh. Of, of the sort of black and white and, and that whole side of things and the whole meta-ness of it all, it's just unnecessary. This is another case of a film working way harder than it needs to. Uh, needs to is debatable. I mean, Wes... My buddy, Wes, who I'm on a first-name basis with, obviously likes his nesting doll structures. He's done this before. Um, The Grand Budapest Hotel has, like, four different timelines that don't really sort of play into the main plot of the movie, but cumulatively build up to something kind of emotional and strong. I, I found that to be the case in The French Dispatch as well. And I definitely find it to be the case in, in Asteroid City, where this this frame narrative about the actors who are playing the characters that we're seeing, you know, undergo the main action of the play are sort of looped in in these black and white sequences. The cumulative effect is, is for me, very, very powerful. Um, and it, it, it sort of builds up to that scene near the end of the film, which is Margot Robbie's one scene in the movie. And she's playing an actress who had a scene in the play that got cut. And she has a conversation with, um, with Jason Schwartzman. And that scene just kind of ties the movie together for me is this wonderful, uh, meditation on grief and finding yourself adrift in unsteady, uncertain times. Like, you know, to, to me, it feels like Wes is, metaphorical working through of 2020 and COVID and the election and, and all of the weird turbulent situations that we found ourselves in recently. I love, I adore it. And, and obviously the stuff about the the production design and that sort of candy colored Wes Anderson thing. I mean, that's so singular. That's such a delight. Nobody else is doing anything like that. And, you know, I know that the complaint against Wes is you stop doing the same shit, but, I I have that complaint less, though. I mean, I do think it's way too precious. This is a little Mm. less precious than some things, but it it can be, it can lean a little precious. But my bigger complaint is that, and it reminds me a little bit, I hear what you're saying, but I wish it were that effective. It's just, it's not. And it weighs the film down like a dead weight. And so I, it reminds me a little bit of when I was in, you know, like sixth grade and I just didn't want to watch all those love scenes in Top Gun. I just wanted to see like the, the, (laughs) I just wanted to see the flying part or like in, when we had to watch The Hobbit in school, like the, 
the animated one. Yeah, yeah. And there's some like boring ass shit in there and it's already like three hours long. So during those times, you're just sitting there in the on the floor in the gym Indian style, like ugh, miserable during those parts. That's what I felt like. I just want to get back to the Hobbit. I want to get back to Gollum, you know, and that's that's how I feel on this thing. I want to get back to Asteroid City. I don't want to be I don't want to be, you know, bogged down with all this bullshit. And it's just not terribly effective. Are there moments like the like like just seeing Margot Robbie is kind of fun? Are those are those moments there? Sure, but this is this is a separate film to me. This is not this doesn't need to be wound up in this one. And speaking of Margot Robbie, the stunt casting is just no, it's, it's irritating. It's, amazing. it's irritating to me. And it's like it's, oh, here's another one. Here's another one. You can watch it for that reason, and I think that dazzles some people, but I, it doesn't dazzle me. It'd be stunt casting if they didn't each get some hilarious comic business to do. Mm. I feel like everybody's mm. super well served. Really? By this script. We don't even, even have enough time for anybody to be well served. We really don't. But they get these quirky or unusual distinguishing characteristics or, or jokes or moments that really, really sing. And it's a movie that kind of is – it's greater – than the sum of its parts to me. It, it just builds up this very emotional head of steam. And I disagree fundamentally because I, I feel like it would not achieve that power if those sort of strands of the story weren't so closely intertwined. See, I dis- this is where I disagree too because I don't I don't feel like I'm watching this film and I'm really immersed in this film. I feel like I'm watching this film and I'm like, oh look, there's Tom Hanks. Oh look, there's you know blah blah blah. Oh look, there's there's uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh look, there's and it just keeps going and going and going and it's just distracting from the narrative itself. And I don't think he's doing himself any favors because he can pull all this all these all this all these actors. I hear Sorry you. For I, it is having a stroke here toward the end. Purposefully did didn't. Distancing, right? That's kind of the effect, the the sort of Brechtian thing of of those frame narratives and, and frame stories, and I, I I really appreciate that, um, and find myself immersed in it almost really? in spite of oh, wow. what it's attempting to do. Well, let's see what Sam thinks. Again, I don't, and I, you know what? I don't hear a passion in your voice. I don't think either one it's my of second us. Favorite movie I think of the year. That, that I think I win this argument no matter what Sam says because here's the thing: neither one of us just argued very passionately because this bit's it's a bit of a dud. I've seen it's this a movie bit of a dud. three times. The Blu-rays coming and in the mail. You've on also seen Tuesday. like you've all you've also seen like random movie number six twenty times. I've seen and Barbie three times too. Um, yeah, random movie number six is really underrated though. I think you need to give it another shot. Maybe forty-three. Oh no, not that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I was very iffy on French Dispatch. I watched it and just thought, nah, didn't really care for it. That was way too much. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, but I watched Asteroid City twice. Corey has one more than me, but. I watched it one night, and then the very next morning, I was like, I'm going to put that on again, and watched it through again. Um, And honestly, I think I enjoyed it so much because it felt so toned down compared to Wes Anderson's other things. Like, Grand Budapest just had, like, it was like an onion with layers, and it just got really annoying. You just want to know the story. Um, And Asteroid City really only has two layers, I think. Um, And yeah, it just felt very toned down and more palatable. Um, I mean, there were just so many different moments that all added up to, and I agree with Corey here, um, greater than the sum of its parts, but each part, like the little kid's cowboy song and that sing along, um, Jeffrey Wright's speech, um, Adrian Brody squatting in the play's production studio, um, for years, I think. And just the way that Tom Hanks and Jason Schwartzman dealt with the loss of his wife, and breaking that news to the kids, it was just so funny. And Jeff Jeff Goldblum's little extra spoiler thing, um, 
not spoiler, just cameo. Um, and yeah, I mean, to no surprise, I completely agree with Corey here. I can't help it. I'm sorry, but a million points to Corey and the residents of Asteroid City. No surprise at all. And Brad, you know what's funny? I, I just listened to everything Sam said. I got bored halfway through what he was saying. <laughs> and I just don't... I want to rewatch it I again. just don't even care. Like, it's... You know, it's kind of like a loss on certain things. I'm like, oh, man, I really... I feel passionately that I won that... that I really, really do. I was right. I was right. I just don't care. Like, let's just move on. <laughs> Take your asteroid and go back to your home planet. Yeah. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. Well, it is that time of year. Yes, it and is. And so here's what we're going to do, y'all. Here's what we're going to do. For for this episode and then the next two, we're going to very briefly cover just a couple of films each that are in the Sidewalk lineup. And so this is really what we're watching, the Sidewalk Film Festival 2023 25th annual edition um, for the podcast, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a film out at you, and then you throw one out at sure. me. And again, we're covering when all is said and done, we're gonna have talked in three episodes about um, 12 films. Am I doing the yeah, math yeah. right here? I'm terrible at math, but that is 12 films out of oh I don't know about 80 features. Yeah. So if you don't hear something that we <laughs> like that you, sounds interesting to you, there are plenty of other options to choose from, and you can go to sidewalkfest.com by the way to look at the schedule and kind of figure out what you want to see. That's right. So let me start. And I think a good place to start is just by talking very briefly about opening night. Yes. Our opening night film this year, 2023, is a film called Art for Everybody. That's right. And it is an amazing documentary about the artist, and I'm putting artist in air quotes in here, <laughs> Thomas Kincaid. He's the painter of light. Of, the or he painter was of light. The painter of light. Yes. And this film is really. I highly recommend it. We put it on opening night because it was the it was the film that we all, when we had to stop and kind of decision time, said, what would you select right now? It was top of each one of our list, uh, each one of us being myself and Corey and Charlie Sanders. And that rarely happens. Almost always, there's at least one outlier that kind of goes, nope, this is the uh, this is really what I'm thinking. And I it, it checks a lot of opening night boxes for us, as you know, Sidewalk in the last number of years is notorious for doing documentaries and sort of pop culture documentaries it definitely checks those boxes but it also has a little bit of a mystery and intrigue to it wouldn't you say i would um it's fascinating even if you're somebody who goes into this movie with sort of preconceived notions about thomas kincaid who he was and the sort of kitschiness of of his paintings the you know the the cute little glowing cottages and shit that you find on on jigsaw puzzles and stuff like that um this movie is a really compelling sort of examination of a guy who was more mysterious, more layered, more interesting of a person uh, than I think anybody really gave him credit for. Um, And it's sort of a peek behind the curtain of an artist's process, right? Um, And what may lead them to compromise their artistic values and uh, what may lead them to um, sort of compromise other parts about their identity in the pursuit of quote unquote, making it as an artist. And I, and I think all that is really, really interesting. Yeah. It's a real, it's actually a surprisingly provocative film. Yeah. I think that he's an interesting figure, was an interesting figure, continues to be an interesting figure. And I think that that, that would be the case. And I think, 
I mean, I, excuse me, I think that the case would be that if you just made a film about him, just straight up about him yeah. and about his life, that it would be an interesting documentary. But this film kind of goes in a couple of other places. Yes. And it does so by interviewing people who are really, really interesting and really looking, well, having, I think that also having the buy-in from his family is helpful to hear too. And it's not a spoiler to say that this film starts with a discovery of some of his other work. That's that right. is very unlike what we know this mall painter to be. Kept in a literal vault in his studio uh, and unseen by the public. He sort of kept it hidden away. And what those works are are surprising based on what we know of him. Yeah. So it, 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 it the film leads us a little bit down that road of mystery, but it also does some other things that that are really, really interesting as well. So I'll leave a little bit of mystery to it because that's that's sort of the premise in the first that's set up in the first 10 minutes or so of the film anyway, but also it's just more fun to go in not knowing that much about the road that you're about to go down. For sure. And it also, of course, as is typical of the boxes that we check on opening night, and we keep saying we're going to do something totally different this year, something totally different, and eventually we will, <laughs> but we still think this was the best selection this year, and it is it is right in line with what we've done in the past, and that is that it has a ton of really fun archival footage as well. Yes, so if you are a person who really likes to kind of do a little time capsule kind of thing, it's a good one for that as well. So anyway, I, I recommend it. Opening night is always fun. Great way to kick off the festival. And I don't think you'll be disappointed in this film. It, we all said this is going to be one that might be a little harder to convince people to go see. But if when they go see it, they'll be happier leaving. Yes, I think so. It, it is a, a very, very, very good movie and it provides a lot of post viewing conversation or food for conversation. Sure. I it's think. it's surprisingly relevant for a film about somebody who was popular many years ago yeah. and all this kind of thing. And I, I'm calling it a to to be reductive and to be very stereotypical, I'm calling it a mom doc. <laughs> we have lots of dad docs as well. But we this is a mom doc, and I, we can all get behind a mom doc, though. You don't have to be a mom to love a mom doc. That's true. We all love those. So anyway, I highly recommend it. What is your first rack here Well, it's on a the dad podcast? doc, coincidentally. Oh, um, I, I, the two films that I'm highlighting today are from our Alabama film lineup. I wanted to spotlight cool. those in particular. And they coincidentally, genuinely coincidentally, happen to be um, – both directed by two dudes I went to college with and got to know in the sort of movie scene yeah. at the University of Alabama. So I'm very excited that they're both in the lineup um, and that they have, well, made some really excellent work that I'm happy to share uh, with our audience. And the first of these films uh, is actually playing um, on Monday, the Monday before the festival, that's August 21st, as part of our Alabama Spotlight Night. And it's called Welcome to the J. Inside Army Jungle School uh, from director Graham Flanagan. Um, so this is what it sounds like. It is a sort of fly on the wall. You are there sort of um, recounting of this very intensive military training program um, that trains um, enlisted uh, service people in uh, jungle uh, combat and survival techniques and everything they would need to, need to know um, if and when uh, they find themselves in um, a situation that requires uh, that sort of um, terrain to be uh, crossed. So um, very intense. The camera is, again, right there with the, the trainees as they literally sort of hump it through uh, this – unforgiving jungle terrain um 
So props to Graham for getting down and dirty with those guys, because that's not something I think I could have kept up with. Really high production value as well, so a really slick film to watch. Well, my second rec is going to also be opening night. It's going to be the later night opening night. So for the first time ever, we're doing a late night... And when I say late night, it's 10 p.m. So, yeah, it's it's mom doc night. So it's a little later than than, than your <laughs> typical mom bedtime, even though my mom's up at like 1 a.m. watching TikTok. So I, I can't, you know, can't speak for I, all moms. Listen, I don't think I've been up till 1 a.m. in years now. There you I go. You're, you're, you're not like my mom at all, Corey. Anyway, this one comes later at night, around 10 o'clock, I think it is, yes. at the Sidewalk Cinema. That's and right. it is a, it's a short one, though. It's a breezy little 70-minute or so film, maybe 80, but it, it's going to go by quick, called Hello Dankness. And it is myself and Charlie Brown Sanders. It's one of his favorite films in the lineup as well. Yes. And it is wild. It's a wild ride. And it's really kind of hard to explain. I, I find myself trying to explain this to folks, and it's tough, because it is it is indeed found footage, but it doesn't feel like found footage, because that found footage is so skillfully edited together. It is so seamlessly kind of rolled into a film that it is the most unique and interesting thing, I think, in the lineup. Now, it may not be your favorite thing in the lineup, but it is the most (laughs) unique and interesting. Just to give you an example, in one section of the film, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles explain Pizzagate. Yeah. So that just kind of gives you, who better? Yeah. Who better? They would know. And as Sam pointed out while he was tech checking it, the the beginning of the film is literally just the entire Jenner. uh, The Kylie Jenner Pepsi commercial. Kylie Jenner Pepsi commercial, which on its own, when you stand back from it, is just fucking hilarious to watch. I mean, I don't think even when that thing blew up, I ever sat down and watched that thing. Well, you're going to be forced to. Well, I did and laughed my ass off at it. Hilarious. Because I was, I, you know, so, so hello dankness is, is comprised of like hundreds of clips from television and movies and sort of edited and manipulated in a way to tell the story of like the past decade in America. So, um, I expected Kylie, the Kylie Jenner commercial to be reappropriated in some way. And the fact that it wasn't, it's the one thing that just stands on its own. They didn't even need to, they didn't even need to fiddle with that. So they just come out the gate with it. So you have like a net bending, like cheerfully looking at a Hillary 2016, you know, bus stop advertisement or something as, as she's um, driving to work in a clip from American beauty or something. Everything is idyllic and perfect. And then, uh Oh, who approaches on the horizon, but old Donald J. Trump. Um, yeah, it's definitely the most political fuck you film in the lineup as well. It, yeah. H- again, I can't, just got to come see it. Highly recommended. Tickets are going fast for this one. If you want to see it, we're limited to under, um, really under 400 seats, right? Under 200. Under 200, excuse me, under 200 yeah. seats. Um, t- look how bad I am at math. For some reason, that was like just did not compute in my head. Anyway, under 200 seats, which is not many at all. Not a lot. What I do know is it's less than 400. Yeah. So get your tickets now for that. And those are our recs. Well, you've got got one one more. more. You've got one more. Yeah. See, I'm bad at math there too. (laughs) Um, The second film I want to uh, shout out is the world premiere of Don't Die. 
Um, right, right. Don't Die, uh, another Alabama production, a narrative um, directed by Benjamin Stark, written by Jeremy Burgess, who is a ding-dong, and will you will never hear his voice on this podcast again, by God, if I have anything to say about it, um, oh, which I man. don't. Um, oh, and, boy. And starring a bunch of uh, folks you've seen at movies, um, at, in movies, and possibly at movies at Sidewalk <laughs> before. If you haven't noticed, by the way, both of us are going on such limited sleep it's um, it, it's it is wild i've got too much caffeine and not enough sleep do you feel the same i do yes and we're both we're both <laughs> by the way back at school that's right teaching school school year has started folks um, fml as they say <laughs> They do. They do. I'm saying it too. Anyway, don't die. Uh, you won't say don't FML die. Don't die, when you Corey. see don't die, which is a, a, a really well-made, really gripping, really engaging thriller. Um, and we're so proud that not only was this made by the hard work and labor of like hundreds of, of local uh, folks, but um, that we're going to host its premiere um at, at sidewalk and you'll want to check it out because you will not be disappointed in that so that's that's it that's the and rec- that, well that's yeah now I, now I really can say i think that those are our four racks those are for this episode that's right and uh we'll we'll be back in the next two episodes to give a few more recommendations uh, about the sidewalk lineup but look i mean we're certainly not limited to these because there are so many other movies so many other movies in the lineup and again you'll want to go to sidewalkfest.com not only to check out the lineup but when you find something that you want go ahead and get your passes and tickets to make sure you can get your seat Oh man, that was a podcast. That was it. <laughs> that sure was. There that it was went. It. There it went. We're your own personal cinematic Lana Del Rey and Azalea Banks. This is old news for some, uh-huh. but new news for me. What are they fighting? And listen, yeah. They, oh they boy, oh boy, oh boy. And you're gonna have to hang in there with me because uh-huh. I, I mentioned I'm going on a little sleep, and this is a lot to unpack. Well, this is a long story. This is a lot to unpack. So this this all starts with Twitter, which is now called X. We, I could have done where your own personal cinematic Twitter and X, couldn't I? Yeah. But I didn't. I didn't. Okay, so here's what happens. So D- Lana Del Rey at some point in time has some shit to say about Kanye, which... Sure. Let it go. Let but, it go. You know. But she does. He, it, he had a lot of shit to say about a lot of shit <laughs> right. he shouldn't have talked but about heaven either. heaven forbid we say anything about him. But anyway, so Banks claps back, right? And says, criticizes Del Rey because of the comments that she made about Kanye and said a bunch of shit, including... This is your own vapid attempts to seem politically aware. And that's just wow. that's yeah, that's just one one little what are thing. They, were they like roommates? Do they know each right. other? Like how, right. how would why she, is why is Del Rey Jesus. even on Banks's radar? Yeah, I don't on. know, except, you know, everybody's on X. Anyway, so then Del Rey says this and I'm quoting now at this point. Are you ready for this? Uh. You know the Addy. Pull up any time. Say it to my face. But if I were you, I wouldn't. I won't not fuck you the fuck up, period. Lana Del Rey. So Lana Del Rey went really hard, really. I mean, I wouldn't say really I wouldn't say she went really quick because I do think that 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 Ms. Banks had a lot to say, right? I didn't know that somebody who smokes as much weed as Lana Del Rey (laughs) smokes was capable of being that aggressive. I know, and I love it because lately I've been on edge, and anytime anybody says anything to me that I don't (laughs) like, I'm just going to say to them, you know the Addy, pull up anytime, (laughs) say it to my face, but if I were you, I wouldn't. I won't not 
fuck you the fuck up. Uh, that sounds hard to me. That's hard. I, I like it. Oh, boy. Well, you know it's not going to end there, right? I mean, Azalea oh, Banks is apparently sure. notorious for kind of coming at everybody. Yeah. And so she ain't going to let that lie. She's not going to let Lana get away with that. So then she's, so, so then Banks has a bunch of other shit, including this, which is my favorite. I mean, I'm telling you, there's tons and tons of, of it out there, so you can read all about it. We don't have that much time on the podcast for me to cover every bit of it, but I, I this is a select. I just just it just had the mental image of like going to a library and just like pouring through <laughs> volumes of material Microfiche. about this like Azalea Banks situation. My next book. <laughs> Here's the quote. Let's talk about arm workouts today. What? She went to this really quick, y'all. Let's talk about arm workouts today. This is an example of an aging white woman <gasps> who got worked on in her face and not <gasps> on her body where she needed it most. <gasps> Let's walk her through some upper arm workouts. It got it got really really God nasty. It got damn. really really nasty. And then Banks went on. I think I think Lana Del Rey said some other shit. Mm-hmm. And then Banks said this. Um, what may she ask her followers? Hey y'all, should I be extra white and sue Lana for threatening me? Oh, right. God. And then this is where it's going to land. I'm going to let it land okay. here because I do think Lana Del Rey had the last word and the best word. Okay. Which was this. She basically said, "Yeah." Take it to your lawyer, but when you do, let your attorney know that my words were a promise, not a threat. Oh, my Lord. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, so who are you going to be? Well, Banks? I, I'm not even entirely sure I had ever heard of Banks Azalea Banks Rey? before right now. Um, I have heard of Lana Del Rey, and I do have that summertime sadness, oh, there you go. so I'll go with, I'll be Lana. That's fine. I can be the asshole who talked about arm workouts. I, I don't care. I really don't. Even I though I miss, I miss, I'm, I really kind of want this. I want to be able to say this fuck you line. Step. I don't think that Lana Del Rey needs to worry about upper <laughs> arm workouts. Corey, we all need to worry about upper arm workouts. I well, think it's unfair to, to, you know, isolate any one person. We can all use them. <laughs> and even, by the way, arms go quick. So even if you are doing those upper workouts, that's, I dare you to lay off of those for three weeks and see what happens. Oh, boy. Well, all right. There you go. There you go. Side uh, Talks podcast, folks. Sitting across the table from Lana Del Gay. Wow. That's, is, Thank you for listening. Is that me? Not she. Okay. Um, thanks to Boutwell Studios uh, for putting this darn thing together. Thank you, Brad. You are welcome. And why don't you visit us online at SidewalkFest.com. We're, as you know we previously Addy. said, you know the <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, don't Pull think, up any time. Don't think we will not fuck you the fuck up. Uh, with that movies, we, can we have our can we have Nick Adrian, our social media expert, change our profile? What do you call that thing? The like the bio. Yeah, the bio. Link in bio. Pull up anytime, bitch. <laughs> I won't not fuck you up. Uh, we could probably send him a message on Slack. Yeah. Um, Sidewalkfest.com is, uh, again, where you can see the lineup for the 25th Annual Sidewalk Film Festival, where you can see showtimes for the Sidewalk Cinema, and where you can get tickets and passes to all of the things that we do with both of those. Um, You'll definitely want to get a VIP pass, because that gets you access to opening night, that gets you access to the magnificent Saturday Night Party. Uh, and, of course, any of the films, uh, panels, special events, and other surprises that we have in store for you. So get those passes now, bitch. Say it to my face. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise. <laughs>